the title of the talk that I've, I've been given, because <laughs> again, I didn't actually choose this, um, is Evangelism Through Compassion. Evangelism Through Compassion. Uh, and we've already heard a little bit about this with what Han was just talking about, with the, the work of CAP. But this is a, a topic that, as I say, I didn't choose, but I've been thinking and praying about for the past few weeks, knowing that I was going to have to talk about this. And there's a few things that, that I think are really important around this topic. Uh, so I hope that I can convey something of, of what I think God's been speaking to me about over the past few weeks. But just to begin with, um, most of you were here last week? Yep. So you heard Freddie come and talk to us last week, and it was fantastic, wasn't it? It was so inspirational hearing what he had to say about the work that was going on uh, in Uganda. And he was talking about shining our light. And he was asking us as a church, you know, where are we shining our light? And it's a really important question. Uh, he, he had that great story about his, the, the light from his uh, mobile phone uh, enabled him to see that snake that was a danger in his room. Uh, but you know, he talked to us about Celebration Hope Ministry and the work that they're doing. And it is fantastic to see that, to see people being lifted out of poverty, families and individuals being lifted out of poverty in Uganda because somebody is being obedient to God with a vision as to how that can be done. And to see the work of God extending his kingdom there. And that's inspirational, but in all honesty, it's no more and no less inspirational than some of the stuff that we're getting involved in here in Gillingham. So the stuff that we're doing through the work of CAP, through Acts 435, through Gillingham Link, through the food bank, through Open Door, we are shining a light in this community. And that's incredibly important work. And if we're thinking about evangelism through compassion, sharing the love of God, then this stuff is really, really important. But it would be easy to, to get up here and say, you know, this is the stuff that we're involved in. We need more help. Get involved with this where you can, and if you can't get actively involved, then pray for it, and think, well, okay, that's, that's the job done. That, that is evangelism through compassion, and that's what we need to do. But I think there's something fundamentally more important that we need to think about as individuals, as well as where we are as a church. So I want to start off with a question. If somebody asked you, when you walked out of here this morning, when you go to the pub on your way home, or whatever you're going to do, <laughs> hey, hello. <laughs> uh, if, <laughs> if somebody asked you, what, what's the church for? What would you say? What is the church for? Family. It's okay, it's not an exam. <laughs> Celebrate Jesus Christ. Preach the gospel. Worship. Kingdom. 
Kingdom of God. Sorry? Caring. Great. To be a witness. Anything else? Community. Community. And we, great. Community's up there. So some of those other things. I mean, we, there, there are loads of things, right? Loads of things that the church does and reasons to be church, the people of God on earth. I would argue that perhaps the single most important function of the church is advancing building the kingdom of God. It's not about us coming here, meeting on a Sunday, going away, feeling good. We often, most times, if not every time we come here, we are hugely blessed by God, by meeting with each other, by worshipping the Creator God. But if our focus is what we can get out of coming here on a Sunday, our focus is entirely wrong. We should be coming here, meeting together as God's people, thinking, what can we offer to the one who has given up everything for us? It's about advancing his kingdom, growing his kingdom, building his kingdom. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, how did he start? Father in heaven, your name be honored. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He didn't say, we want to see your kingdom in the future. That your kingdom come here, now, on earth, right now. God's kingdom on earth, as it is in heaven. God's kingdom, his rule, his reign, starting here and now. And that, I think, is an incredibly important part of us thinking about this whole aspect of compassion. Compassion is fundamental to God's nature. If you look at the Bible, the Bible is absolutely saturated with the compassion of God. This is one of the verses from Psalms. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. But you know, time and time and time again, you look through the Bible, Look at what Steve read right at the beginning this morning. It's all about the compassion of God. His love for a hurting world. His love for a world that's turned their back on the Creator. And how He is working out the redemption, the reconciliation, the recreation of everything, making all things new. And if we want to know what God is like, the best example has to be Jesus, right? Jesus was God embodied in human form walking amongst us. If we want to understand what God is really like, the best thing to do is to look at Jesus. 
And if we look at the life of Jesus, what he did, the teachings, his proclamations, we can begin to glimpse that incredible and indescribable love that God has, his love and compassion for each one of us. And I think the life of Jesus is not only characterized by compassion, it's not only full of compassion, but I think if you start to read the Gospels and read through the Gospels and look (coughs) at what Jesus did and what Jesus said, I think you get the feeling that he was just totally motivated by compassion. He was driven by compassion. That was what really motivated him and everything that he did. So many times in the Gospels we read about Jesus having compassion. Compassion on individuals, compassion on groups of people, on crowds of people. Jesus is described as having compassion. He's described as having pity. And in all honesty, the the English translation of what's there in the original language, the Greek, is is really quite poor. Because definitely what what we think of as, as pity, maybe feeling sorry for somebody, that is not what was there in the original Greek that describes what was motivating Jesus. It was... The words used to describe it are all about the the love and the empathy, the understanding of the suffering that somebody else is going through. A deep understanding of that suffering, a deep connection with them to the point where it drives you into some sort of action. So if you like, compassion in this sense is love driven into action. It's a bit like when we say, you know, I I love you from the depth of my heart, from the depth of my being. I absolutely love you. Love you so much that I want to, I can't help but do something for you. That is what's meant when we read about the compassion that Jesus has for people deep sense of sorrow, connectedness with them in their suffering, getting alongside them and wanting to do something, desiring to do something to change it. We haven't got time to look at all of the instances in Jesus' life where he is said to have had compassion on people. These are just some of the verses in the Gospels where Jesus is talked about as having compassion And the compassion of Jesus goes across all sorts of different areas. Sometimes it's just simply compassion for physical needs. You know, the crowds that were following him, listening to his teaching, hadn't eaten for days, and he said, I've got compassion on them, they're hungry. (laughs) Let's feed them. Sometimes it's compassion on individuals suffering with sickness, skin disease, blindness, people that have died, and he reaches out 
in compassion and touches and heals them. Sometimes it's mental suffering. Sometimes it's spiritual suffering. So many times we're told that Jesus reached out in compassion, addressing the needs of people, not just spiritual, physical, social, psychological needs. The compassion that we have as individuals and as a church is often such a poor imitation of what is at the heart of Jesus and at the heart of the gospel. This is a quote from uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian. We must learn to regard people less in light of what they do or omit to do and more in the light of what they suffer. True compassion compassion of the Father, compassion of Jesus, is understanding where people are. It's understanding why they're suffering. And it's a desire to lift them out of that suffering. Not just spiritual suffering, not just spiritual blindness. That, of course, is incredibly important. But reaching out and touching others in their need. And it's not just corporately. It's not just through the activities of us as the body of Christ here in Gillingham. It's us as individuals. It's every day when we go home from here and we're with our family and we meet our friends and we meet our colleagues at work. It's looking at them through the eyes of Jesus, seeing where they're suffering. And trying to reach out with the love of God. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? You know what he replied. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind. And the second commandment is like it. Love others as yourself. And he said, the whole of the law and the prophets is summed up in these two commandments. And on another occasion, what's been called the golden rule, he said, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. It's about love. It's about compassion. It's about treating others the way we would want to be treated. That's what God is all about. This is transformational love. And it's what the new kingdom that Jesus brought in is all about. So early in Luke's gospel, we read this account. So quite early in the ministry of Jesus, we read this account. I think Jesus was in Nazareth and he went along to the synagogue. And he got up. In the synagogue. And this is what we read. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue 
the temple. And he stood up to read. Somebody handed him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he unrolled it and he found the place that he wanted to read from. And Jesus started reading to them. And he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. (coughs) Verses from Isaiah. He rolled up the scroll, he gave it back, and he sat down. Everybody was looking at him. Everybody was looking at him. And he said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. Can you imagine what it would have been like? Probably could have heard a pin drop at that moment, right? Here was Jesus standing up in the temple, claiming that he was the fulfillment. He, this carpenter from Nazareth, (laughs) was the fulfillment of these prophecies about a savior, about a messiah, about someone that God was going to send to rescue them and establish God's rule amongst them. And Jesus chose passages that referred to the poor, to the underprivileged, to the oppressed, and to the sick. He was announcing God's new kingdom, but not the one they were expecting. Along with compassion, with healing the sick, with feeding the hungry, he started to teach them what this new kingdom was really like, what God really wanted to establish. And it wasn't a kingdom of power and of might as we would understand it and we would expect. It was an entirely different kingdom. It is an entirely different kingdom. It's an upside-down kingdom where the last would be first, where the king would wash the feet of the people, where the hungry, where the poor, the merciful, the peacemakers, the persecuted, the meek, the mourners, where they're going to be blessed. This was and is a radical, upside-down kingdom. So much so that when the king was enthroned, he had a crown of thorns. And his throne was being nailed to a cross. to reconcile the world to God. Weird kingdom, right? 
What a weird kingdom. And you look at the life of Jesus. You know, if, if, Jesus, if Jesus was here now, where would he spend most of his time? Maybe in the betting shop? Maybe in the pub? Places where we wouldn't expect him to be. That's for sure. The number of times he was criticized for spending time with tax gatherers, with prostitutes, with the down and outs of society, with the people that nobody really cared much about. That's where Jesus spent his time. That's the love and compassion that God has for us. And you know, while, while Jesus was still here, whilst he was walking amongst us, whilst he was teaching, whilst he had his disciples with him, and he was training those disciples, teaching them, he sent them out on occasions. He sent them out to do the work for him or with him. And you remember probably when he sent them out, he sent them out to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to tell people to repent, to turn back to God. And when you go, tell them this, the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom is coming soon. Sometimes, in some translations, it's God's kingdom is at hand. God's kingdom is near. And again, the word that's used when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God being near has a lot of different meanings, a lot of different connotations. It means that the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is approaching. The kingdom of God is right next to us, if you like. And one of the meanings of the, the Greek word is to join one thing to another, to join one thing to another. And maybe, maybe that gets the closest to what Jesus was talking about when he said the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of my Father, the kingdom of God is touching us now. Because Jesus coming amongst us was heaven touching earth. This is the kingdom of God. Heaven touching earth. And one day, we will have the fulfillment of that, and God's reign will be complete. But right now, heaven is still touching earth. God's kingdom is still being established, and it's being established through you and me. Because Jesus said, I'm going to go to my Father but I'm going to send the Spirit to you. You are going to be my people. I'm entrusting the advancement of God's kingdom, of his rule, of his upside-down kingdom, I'm entrusting it to you. You are going to be messengers of love and compassion from the Father. It's not complete yet, but it has begun. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth now as it is in heaven. 
And after the death of Jesus and his resurrection, and after his ascension to heaven, when the new church was formed and the followers of Jesus were going out preaching the gospel, again, if you read in the New Testament, they are preaching the good news of Jesus and of the kingdom of God. It's not just about telling people about the saving grace of Jesus, about the fact that Jesus came and died for each one of us so that we could be reconciled to God, so that we could have a relationship with God. It's not just about that. It's about the establishment of God's kingdom now and that we're all part of that. That God wants his upside-down kingdom where we are the servants, where we are to express the love and compassion of God. He wants that established right now on earth through us. So evangelism and compassion, I think, are just absolutely linked at the hip. They are inseparable. Not just because God, out of compassion, wants to restore relationship with each one of us, but because it's part of him advancing his kingdom. It's part of him establishing his rule right now on earth amongst us. God is light. God is light. In him there is no darkness. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The light of the world. And Jesus called his followers to be salt and light to the world, right? He called us to be salt and light. And he said, don't hide your light. Whatever you do, don't hide your light. In the same way, Jesus said, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. God establishing his kingdom here and now on earth through us. We are to show the compassion and love of God wherever we go, corporately as a church, through what we do in the community, Absolutely, as individuals, to our family, to our friends, to our work colleagues, touching earth with heaven, bringing God's kingdom here and now to a hurting world. We're called to carry the light of God's new kingdom into this world. For those of you that are fans of <laughs> the Marvel comic series, I know it's not only me. Marvel has its Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And not to be too flippant, Jesus has his Agents of Light. And that's what we're called to be. Agents of Light. 
Evangelism through compassion, I think, is just about getting back to the heart of the gospel. It's about each and every one of us. It's about the way of life we lead. It's about how we bring heaven on earth. It's about us looking at people, our family, our friends, our work colleagues, looking at them through God's eyes, asking God to show us how people are suffering where they are, for us to be able to reach out to them in the love of Christ, to meet their needs, and to not be afraid to tell them why we do that, why we have a hope in us that can overcome every obstacle. Because the King of Heaven died for each one of us. Heaven on earth is what we are called to do. Let's be the light. In the name of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit, for the glory of God. Amen.